Hi there, listeners. Welcome to this week's With Love Victoria bonus episode. I am the creator, Rachel Garnett, and today I'm joined by the queen herself, Kayla Hendry. Kayla, say hi. Hey, everyone. Boop, 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 boop. Is that your royal welcome? Yeah, that just felt right to do. Well, Kayla, I am so excited to have you here to talk about the very first episode of With Love Victoria. I know. I'm so excited. This has been such a long journey. You and I have been working on this project for just about two years. Is that right? Yes. It was new, like New Year's Day 2019. I got a text from you that said, Kayla, I'm reading this biography about Queen Victoria. And one time she stood on a table when she was a child and yelled at her aide every time, uh, her mother's aide every time he walked past because she hated him. And it just like really reminds me of you. So I'm going to make a musical about this. <laughs> I was like, all right, Rachel, cool. <laughs> Yep, that's exactly how that went down. I said, oh, that's Kayla. Kayla is obnoxious. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) And that scene didn't even make it into the show. It's not even in the show, and you failed. I know. Everyone stop listening now. Well, I'm so excited to get to talk about the first episode, how we got to this point, and maybe talk about some of the history, what's accurate, what's not accurate. Great. Um, As we mentioned, we've been working on this project since January 2019, but I actually started writing this way back in the winter of 2017. Oh. Yeah. It's actually kind of a roundabout story how I ended up writing about Queen Victoria because I've always been interested in the royal family and I was really into Queen Elizabeth uh, because of the crown and I was doing research on them and... You would think that I got interested in Queen Victoria because she's Queen Elizabeth's great-great-grandmother, but that is not how it happened. It was much more convoluted. I found out that Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip were related to the Romanovs, and I got really into the Romanovs for a while, and I found out that Anastasia's mother was Queen Victoria's favorite grandchild, who was the daughter of Queen Victoria's favorite child, Princess Alice, who had died very young and tragically. And so that was how I ended up reading about Queen Victoria and finding out about her amazing and extensive diaries. Yes, she has so many. It's like really insane how many diaries this woman kept because I can't even like think of three words to say about my day every day. And she would like write absurd amounts of things. Well, yeah, so it's really interesting to talk about how many diaries she wrote because in our show, Princess Beatrice says at the beginning there are 141 volumes. And this is slightly debated. The Royal Archives say 141. I've also read in other places 120-some. Other places I've seen 130. But it was definitely in the triple digits. It was millions and millions of words that were then edited down by Princess Beatrice to... 111 volumes are what now exist. And this was a task that Beatrice was asked to do by her mother, Queen Victoria. And so my question for you is, Kayla, how do you connect with Victoria as a character who asked for so much of her life to be erased? I think that Victoria spent so much of her life under a microscope, which of course any royal is going to experience life under a microscope. But Because of that, she never was really able to experience life in a normal way until she was in her 20s. And she had no agency over her life whatsoever. And so, of course, we all have regrets and we make mistakes. She 
had so much of her life that she was told to be ashamed of, or it was put under the microscope and people didn't trust her. People didn't know who she was because she'd been away for so long that I think her final act of having control over her life was getting rid of the parts of it that she thought were maybe not savory or maybe would not put her in a positive light in the history books or to those who remembered her because she did spend so much of her life in fear that she would not be accepted for who she was. And like any artist that we know, like you're known from what's left of you. So like if you create beautiful artwork, that's what you're known by. If you have a bunch of salacious things in your journal that now we wouldn't consider salacious at all, but you know, like secret trysts and boyfriends. And she of course wanted those gone because she wanted to be remembered as this prim and proper queen. And so it's really interesting to go through and see her very young and and you know up to her 40s she she has people who she's not guarded with there's a few characters who we'll meet later on in the season and i don't i guess it's not really a spoiler if i'm like her husband prince albert <laughs> yeah it's the history or <laughs> she was married to prince albert shocker everyone but she had people who she was able to open up to lord m and her husband prince albert but for the most part she was very guarded with everyone she knew I think you make a really great point, Kayla, because you bring to light the fact that asking for her diaries to be edited isn't necessarily contrary to her character. Just because she has written these things doesn't mean that she wanted them to be read. Right. And I think knew she was a queen and she knew those diaries were going to be of interest. She lived from 1819 to 1901, and she reigned for 63 years. She was the longest reigning monarch up to that point. Well, and let's also talk about how she was never supposed to be queen. No. Um, because this is something that we don't really get to get into during the show, but she was the granddaughter of King George III, who was wonderfully played by Jonathan Groff in Hamilton on Broadway. Oh my god, wait, it was him? Yes, correct. Shut up, Rachel. That's wild. I literally, I did not know that until this moment in time. I know, history is crazy. But um, so she was the granddaughter of King George III, who, apart from being the Mad King, unfortunately, at the end of his life, he was also a father of 15 children. And so when he died, King George IV, his eldest son, became king. But he ended up dying without any legitimate heirs. And so his brother, William IV, became king after him. But he also didn't have any legitimate children, and so his younger brothers saw an opportunity to be able to grab the throne and establish their own family lines. And so they all dropped the mistresses they had and went and got legitimate brides. Among them, Queen Victoria's father, Prince Edward, who left his uh, mistress that he had in Canada to go marry Victoria's mother, who was a German princess. And she had had children before. She was a widow. So she was like the perfect bride. She could have a kid. And so they married. She quickly got pregnant. She waddled her way over to England, had the baby on British soil. And then Queen Victoria's father presently died. And he died in January of 1820, which would make her... How old, Kayla? She was like eight months old. She was a bebe. Right. She was not even a year old. And so her mother became very guarded and protective over her because she was the only heir to Prince Edward's line and the only way Victoria's mother was ever going to see the English throne. And so 
she grew up sequestered away from court life. She didn't really have any friends her own age except for Sir John Conroy's terrible children. Um, she was best friends with her dog, Dash, played by my sister's amazing dog, Reggie. Reggie does such a good job. I know. He's the star of the show. But... Um, so this brings us to the Kensington system. So, Kayla, would you like to talk a little bit about what the Kensington system was? Yes. So, um, Victoria grew up in Kensington Palace, which Rachel just visited because Rachel is in school in Ooh. England. So it was a really rigorous, an extremely rigorous set of studies. So whether it be math, uh, French, Latin, Greek, German, she <laughs> learned to speak to literally. I think you mean maths. Oh, I do mean maths with an S. We're in England here. You probably said mathematics, though. Mathematics, poetry. <laughs> Our lyrics that are sung in that yes, song. Yes, correct. Yep. Let's just... So you'll hear, if you listened to the first episode, which I don't know why you would listen to this episode and not the first episode. So <laughs> if you haven't done that yet, like, jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, so she... It was just a rigorous set of studies that they set forth that were what was necessary to be a queen. Because their plan was, okay, we make her dependent on us. When she's queen, she is going to want us to do everything for her. She is going to be too scared to stand up for herself and say, nope, I'm doing this. She's going to say, oh, I, I don't know how to do this on my own. Can you two help me? They were really... Victoire and uh, Sir Victoire, who is Victoria's mother. And also, it should be said that Victoria, her real name is Alexandrina. Victoire, who was Drina or Victoria's mother, and Sir John Conroy, her mother's aide, were really just, I think the best way to describe it is, you were talking about the Romanovs earlier, and obviously Sir John Conroy is nothing like Rasputin whatsoever, but you can kind of picture that sort of relationship, if that makes sense. Uh, I think we're all pretty familiar with the concept of Rasputin. Yeah, absolutely. Also, something I wanted to note while we were talking about the names, Victoria's birth name was Alexandrina Victoria. Also, her mom's name, I'm not sure what it is. Because in some places in different history books or articles, it says Victoire. But mm -hmm. in other places, it says Victoria. That's history for you, I guess. Yeah. This also feels like a really good place to wave the disclaimer flag and say that we are not historians, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. And, you know, on that topic of talking about Kensington system, this is a good time to bring up our first historical inaccuracy, which is in the song, Victoria sings, French and Latin, Greek and German, taking off the things I'm learning. But I have not seen evidence, and so... Not to say it's not true, but I have not seen evidence that she ever studied Greek. So what you're telling me is you are a liar. Correct. Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure we had that covered. I want everyone to know from here on out that you are a liar. Well, here's a potentially interesting story. Uh, when I was a kid, I was really a stickler for historical inaccuracy in film and television and what have you. And I would get really upset and be like, that's not accurate. Yeah. But when I was in film school, I got to meet two staff writers from the TV show Mad Men. And I was always interested in writing period dramas. And so I asked them, how did they go about deciding whether to make a scene historically accurate or to serve the plot? above historical accuracy and they looked at me and they said well we're not writing a history textbook right and that really sat with me and I was like oh good point good point good point point." and so writing with love Victoria has been this very interesting challenge 
because the very soul of the show is about historical integrity and accuracy. And so choosing what to keep accurate and where to kind of veer off from the plot of reality into the plot of our show has been a challenge that I'm glad I've been able to attempt. It's interesting because this show isn't about Queen Victoria. It's about the memory of Queen Victoria. And so we're almost capturing these tableaus of her and the idea of what she was instead of even trying to attempt to recreate what history was. Right. And I think that as creators of theater, we have to take a step back and we have to trust our audiences to do research themselves or to understand that everything they're seeing is not 100% accurate all the time because frequently in theater or film or television, I've not worked in film (laughs) or television, but I've watched a lot of it, especially because we're in a pandemic. But I think there are so frequently time constraints in creating theater and film and television that events have to be truncated, right? We have to kind of either smush things together or take out aspects that maybe aren't necessary to the story we are telling as a whole. Yeah, and let's talk about some of the people who cut out of this story because there wasn't enough time and there wasn't enough room. Mm -hmm. And one of the people who played a major part in Victoria's life and we just didn't have time to explore was her childhood governess, Baroness Lazen. And that was a relationship that I wish we would have had time for and a better structure for. Oh, yes. Who originally was in the show. Yeah, in the original stage version. So that was one of the things that happened in changing this show from its original stage format to the musical podcast format was that it was easy to have Baroness Lazen on stage, at least in the show, because you could point at her and tell that she was a different character. When it came to the audio format, it became a cacophony really quickly. And so it was a matter of stripping away anything excess, anything that might be confusing, in order to get to the main point of the plot. And so Lazen kind of got the short end of the stick in that regard. But she played a major part in Victoria's life in her early years. Their relationship was one of the ones she treasured so greatly. And so while trying to show Victoria experiencing her lonely and frustrating childhood, we just didn't have time to show the good things about it in this format. Which, you know, it's really interesting. I was reading a biography one time and a historian was talking about how Victoria remembered her childhood so negatively and as being so miserable, but that if you look at her diary and she started writing when she was 13 years old, there are many happy moments. And it's funny, he almost calls her a liar by remembering it so poorly. But I think that that is the heart of the show is it's about how Queen Victoria is remembered, as I've said previously, but not just by us as a modern audience or by Beatrice, but also how did Queen Victoria remember herself? And in the case of her childhood, that was lonely and miserable. Right. And I think so frequently people do not realize that people can have a happy childhood, but upon reflection of that childhood, they can see, oh, this was happening with my parents at the time and I never realized it. And it has now affected me in this many, in this way or that way. And, you know, I think there's so many instances where we've realized that happens or we look back at a friend's childhood and we're like, wow, it looks, it seems like you had a happy childhood. You were always talking about how much you loved this and that. And they tell you later, oh no, that's not what was happening at all. And so I think, like you said, the individual moments don't necessarily reflect on the experience as a whole. Right. 
And that's what's so interesting about Victoria as a subject and why I wanted to explore her story this way through the narrative that she created for herself, the narrative her daughter left behind, and the narrative we as a modern audience are looking back through as we try to figure out who this woman was. And the question of who was right and who was wrong is such an unanswerable puzzle. Yeah, and I mean, as I already stated, like, Victoria was so guarded her whole life. Well, and I think she had to keep her distance even more than an average person in that kind of constrained period would have needed to. So we talked about the snapshot we get of Victoria's young life at Kensington Palace. Then we skip ahead a few years to the 20th of June, 1837. uh, King William IV, her uncle, joined our Lord in heaven. So You created the poem for the ages. Thank you. If anyone has to ever do a test about dates involving Queen Victoria, I've got you set. So now she's 18, right? Correct. She was just 18. Her uncle, William IV, hated her mother, hated Sir John Conroy, and one of his last wishes, not quite his dying wish, but a few weeks before her 18th birthday, he had said to her, I'm basically just staying alive till you turn 18 so that there won't be a regency. And then just under a month after she turned 18, he passed away in the middle of the night. The Archbishop of Canterbury and the Lord Chamberlain came to her at Kensington Palace, woke her up and said, you are now the Queen of England. And she saw them in her nightgown And quite alone. I love that she was like, I'm just going to wear my pajamas for this moment. Especially at the time, right? Like, uh, what a BA. What a badass. The part I love about it too, Victoria and her mother slept in the same room. I'm pretty sure Victoria slept on like a day bed next to her mother's bed until she became queen. And so that day when they came and woke her up as the sun rose, Her mother tried to come with her, tried to dress her, and she said, Nope, I'm going in my jams and I'm going alone. Peace out. I love it. That is such a mood. It really is. As the boy I babysit calls them, his pajajays. His pajajays. Yes. She said, here I go in my pajajays. I'm in my pajajays. I'm actually pretty proud of the ascension scene because it's relatively historically accurate to what happened. It really is. And you frequently, in the show, there are direct quotes taken from her journals. Yes. So there are a few direct, exact word-for-word quotes from her diaries, and then there are quite a few allusions to direct quotes that I either change to fit into a musical pattern. One exact quote from Queen Victoria's diary in the show is Princess Beatrice is writing during the Ascension number, and she says, I was awoke at 6 o'clock which is a direct quote from the day she was crowned queen. What is not a direct quote is the following sentence with rushed and frantic fluttered talk. But the exact quote from the diary is, I was awoke at six o'clock by Mama, who told me that the Archbishop of Canterbury and Lord Cunningham were here and wished to see me. An allusion to a quote is seen at the beginning of Kensington System because the first page of her diary is this book Mama gave me that I might write the journal of my journey to Wales in it. We have a similar quote. I think Beatrice says this book Mama gave to me and I am quite pleased in its giving or something along the lines of that. 
Yeah, I think that's like the first line in the show, right? Or not the first line in the show, but like the first line we get before the music yeah. starts. There's some direct quotes, there's some allusions, and also there's some absolute pure fantasy because when you're writing a musical, sometimes things need to rhyme. And as it turns out, Victoria was not really all that into rhyming in her diary. Can you believe that? I only write rhymes when I speak, when I write. So interesting. You should mention that. I would expect nothing else from a musical theater person. Yeah. Well, this was all really exciting to talk about the first episode of With Love, Victoria. Kayla, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. Thank you for having me. Thanks for sharing the crazy journey we've gone on with Victoria as a character, as a show. And we hope that you, the listener, enjoyed this behind-the-scene bonus episode. And we hope that you'll listen to the next episode coming out this coming Monday. Woo-woo! Oh, should we give them our Instagram handle? Yes, if you want to follow the show, please follow at with Love Victoria Musical on Instagram. You can also go to my website, rachelgarnett.com, to see the lovely cast and read more about the show. And yeah, we hope to see you next week. Have a great day, everyone. Woo-hoo!